gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today, we're talking about Chapter 8 of Goblet of Fire, the Quidditch World Cup, in which it's sports time. After several chapters, the gang is finally on their way to the humongous gold Quidditch Stadium to chill in the uh, VIP boxes. In the course of this chapter, we are introduced to Winky the House Elf and Unkindness of Vila's, a charm of leprechauns, <laughs> Narcissa Malfoy, and Victor Crumb. The actual sports bit is pretty short considering, but still pretty boring. Uh, Ireland, in fact, wins, but Crumb catches the snitch, which, since that was not odd to happen, the twins win big on their bet. They sure do. We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Sports. <laughs> yep. And with that. <laughs> so many pages of sports. Just, just sports. Yep. Um, all right. We turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, I'm going to start us off with a description that, frankly, is, I don't know why it irritates me, but the Quidditch Stadium is described as being able to fit 10 cathedrals, which... Honestly, is not a great description of how big something is, and I'm actually really annoyed by it. It bothered me so much, too. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it's meaningless. It's totally meaningless. And, like, cathedrals are, like, different sizes, y'all. Exactly. Like, they're not even, like, is it 10 blocks long? That's not very, that's pretty big, but considering, I suppose, is it the size of an Olympic stadium? I don't know. So. Yeah, do better, Harry. Another thing is that assuming that Harry means 10 cathedrals and like he's thinking like big like London cathedrals, the fact that this stadium only fits 100,000 people is actually really silly because like that's not like there are many, many, many stadiums, real existing stadiums that seat 100,000 people. It's like the top of how big a stadium is, but like it's not uncommon. There are several stadiums that fit a hundred thousand people so it's like a regular like regulation length american football field fits in stadiums that seat a hundred thousand people on a regular basis so i don't know so i guess we're at the point where who knows how big the stadium is? which is like a common problem with this series and i think that what it made me think about is like how bad jk rowling is at exaggerating and like how little thought she puts into things like that because 
you can kind of never tell when a character is supposed to be exaggerating. Like when Harry's like, there are 800 people at this Quidditch match, like my school Quidditch match. It's like, but there's only 200 people that go to your school. Like, what do you mean? Where did did 800 people come from? Is Harry exaggerating? If you're going to exaggerate, you got to go way bigger than 800 because that's a plausible number. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. So I suppose let this be a note to all those writers out there. Clarity is good. And if someone is exaggerating, make it feel like an exaggeration. Exactly. Uh, At least use a simile, you know? I don't know. Something. Other things that the numbers don't add up on, actually. Fudge complains that the Bulgarian prime minister is trying to... actually don't know how to say this word. Cage? Cage? cage all the best seats in the top box but everyone if there's 20 seats which harry said there are 20 seats everyone but five of those seats is accounted for and the bulgarian prime minister is the only person from bulgaria that has a spot so there's like at most five people whereas fudge has 15 or 14 british people in the top box i'm like what the fuck? Like, what do you even mean? <laughs> That's so rude. I feel like part of it is that, I mean, once again, we all know that Fudge is a terrible, terrible minister in the way that he runs things, but also apparently in matters of diplomacy. So bad. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Um, Which is clearly, I think, why it's so funny that the Bulgarian minister is trolling him so deeply. <laughs> it's just so funny because fudge how are you this bad at your job he's so bad you, at his you job. just have to not be rude to people who, of other countries it's not that hard get a interpreter it's wild he keeps being like oh i wish barty crouch was here and it's like you gave barty crouch a different job to do at this event and you should have gotten someone that has one job and that job is interpreting because this is a matter of like right diplomacy like foreign policy whatever this is fucking important and you're just like god speak english and i mean i know i'm sure this is probably modeled after some incompetent prime minister in the uk but it also just feels a little bit like the many incompetent presidents that because i'm just like this feels a little bit like some shit that like w would do (laughs) that's true uh i just feel like sometimes the the series you know she does these things these like political commentary things and it's like she forgot she was writing a book for children about like a fantasy world and it's like you could actually like not do that and just create a fantasy world that's better than the world that we live in. Like create something that actually makes people be like, I want to live in that fantasy world and not like that fantasy world also has incompetent leaders who are like xenophobic and shitty and like, you know, just yell louder and slower to try and get people to understand a language they don't speak. Like what if we didn't have that? What if instead we had TARDIS magic? Wouldn't that be so much more sparkly and magical? I know. Um, so I'm moving away from how much more fudge should be trolled <laughs> in this 
book slash series. Harry's description of Victor Crumb is is a little bit doing it for me. <laughs> I'm like, he looks like a bird of prey. I'm here for this. All right. But then I was like, is Victor Crumb also part Vila? <laughs> Which we're going to get into a lot about Vila's in a little bit. I don't know why I never put this together, but I'm like, villas are essentially weird birds of prey, and apparently Victor looks like one, and I'm like, they are from Bulgaria, apparently. Oh, cool. So I'm actually going to piggyback on Crumb doing it for you to talk about Crumb doing it for Hermione. I feel like we learned Hermione's type here. She, like, did not care about Crumb until he, like, got a bloody nose and caught the snitch anyway, and she's like that's hot like she's very turned on by his quote-unquote bravery that's an interesting word for it but you know that's what that's this is Hermione's type I feel like that is such a good point especially because I was thinking that this chapter is the most we ever see Hermione enthusiastic about Quidditch Mm. And I, and I want to say that part of it is that let's just be real about how interesting it is to watch teenagers play a sport versus professionals play a sport. Right. And even someone like me who has a pretty low interest in sports still like, I mean, I've watched like the Super Bowl a few times or like the NBA championship. And it is actually still really, it's still kind of fun to like watch the people who are like the best of the best playing a professional sport. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that watching a sporting event at home often means delicious snacks and drinking. So those are also reasons why I like watching things like the Super Bowl or something. But yeah, so I think I think something about maybe the professional Quidditch team, like watching the professionals play the game is more interesting for Hermione. And yes, also leading into her interest in victor i guess i also say it would not surprise me if hermione had a competency kink that's exactly yeah i think that's what it is and like a stick to itness kink right like i think it's really the fact that he catches the snitch while injured that does it for her right and like he knew that like the game was basically over it but he's still just like fuck it you know yeah i'm gonna do this thing yeah which is also what harry also thinks about admiring crumb so true that's true. Yeah, they uh, share that a little bit. I don't think Harry's attracted to Crumb, though. I think he he feels like a professional envy or whatever. Um, not envy, but like looking up to him. Yeah. Because Harry likes pretty boys. Yeah, I, f- I, I, I feel like the bird of prey uh, description, it's like he's, Harry is, this is not a like, ooh, description. It's just like a, he's all right, but he plays plays a good game yeah and i an athlete see what he's doing yeah um i think it's your turn um i just have a little more lol which is when the referee got distracted by the violas and was like stroking his mustache <laughs> and like flexing is <laughs> such it's just so funny to me it is just such a it's like such a very nice just like comedic moment where it's like Oh no, someone better go kick the referee because he's has not in the game, you know, kind of. I don't know. It seems like a thing you'd see like in a sports blooper on YouTube or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, let's see. Oh, 
I think it's ridiculous. And again, just points to the like lack of thought put into the writing of this book that Lucius Malfoy is introducing Fudge to Narcissa and Draco for the first time in this chapter. And it's like, no, Fudge has gone to 100 parties at the Malfoy Manor. He knows Narcissa and Draco. And it would have been so easy to still get Narcissa's name into this chapter by being like, you remember my wife Narcissa and my son Draco, of course, instead of I don't believe you've met my wife Narcissa and my son Draco. No, you you are you are 110% correct. How would I have done this? Knowing Fudge's character, if she was a good writer, she could have sidestepped that by having Fudge be a little bit awkward. Like, oh, Narcissa, let me kiss your hand. And oh, Draco, how's, how's your own Quidditch aspirations, kid? And I don't know, do something like ruffle his hair where it's very like, you're below me. How dare you touch me kind of deal. Yeah. And it would have fit in this moment perfectly. Totally. I was thinking about the way, because that uh, you remember, of course, is how Baz introduces Simon, reintroduces Simon to his stepmom. So, mm-hmm. like, he's like, Snow, you remember my stepmother, Daphne. And she's like, hello, Mr. Snow, you know, whatever, good to see you again. And it's, like, very casual and very rich person way to do a thing. So it's like, exactly, yeah, Lucius could have been, you know, just doing the same, like, drawing attention to these other people that Fudge has not greeted because he's rude as fuck. Yeah. There are probably, like, a hundred ways that it could have been written so that he wasn't being introduced to these people for the first time. Right. Like, Narcissa doesn't have a job. Of course she is throwing elaborate fundraiser shit, garden party crap in the rich Astore Malfoy Manor. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course, like, what else the fuck is she doing? I mean, Lucius also doesn't have a job besides doing that. So they have, like, yeah. double, double fancy parties. <laughs> yeah. Um, fun fact that I have probably relearned, like, ten times and then chronically forget. A store means, like, not having a lot. It's, like, minimal. Really? Yes. It do- what? It means, like, the opposite of what it sounds like it means. I'm going to verify this because I'm like, now I feel like I'm lying again, but I'm pretty sure. Of living conditions or a way of life, having no comforts or luxuries, harsh or ascetic. I feel like the way that it sounds seems like it, that would not. Like it be. means posh, right? I feel like people use it to mean posh and it, I don't know. Right? Yes. That's, I mean... Yes, I feel like I'm doing a public service by us having this conversation because when I learned that, I like my whole mind exploded and then I think I forgot it for like 10 years and then I had to learn it again and was like, same feeling again. That's not what that word sounds like it means. Right, no, I I, I agree. Um, let's talk about similes. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Ludo Bagman's face being described as shining like a great, excited... Edom. Actually, I don't know how to say that either. E-D-A-M. It's a kind of cheese. He's saying that his face what? looks like a shiny round cheese. <laughs> that is really not a very flattering or good description. 
I think it's so weird. I had, to, <laughs> I had to look it up. I mean, Edom is a kind of cheese. I think I've, no, I think I've had it before. I don't remember what kind of cheese. It's like, um, it's served like, uh, like the baby bell cheeses. Like it's served like wrapped in wax. And so I guess it's kind of shiny when you take it out of the wax. Cause there's still like some wax left on. It's the weirdest fucking thing. And according to the internet, this is the only known use. It's not like this is a colloquialism. It's like, oh yeah, that simile from Harry Potter. (laughs) It's wild. Yeah, what is going on? What is going on with this chapter? Whoever was the the editor of this did not do their job very well. (laughs) Whoever you are needs to be publicly shamed. It's true. Although now I am imagining like a cartoon of like a smiling, dancing cheese Ludo Bagman, and I'm actually kind of amused by it. That is pretty funny. So I only have one more thing, surprisingly, because I feel like I usually have 80 million things on the front page. Um, is that I have to disagree with Hermione when she admonishes Harry for just watching things through the omnoclears, like reversing it and stuff, because. Watching sports and like say slow motion is the coolest Mm -hmm. because things are moving so fast. You're like, literally, what is happening? Can I get this whole thing in slow motion? Okay, thanks. Yeah. Carrie, you do do whatever the fuck you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Watch this whole fucking game in slow motion. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Harry's there like four hours later just watching. Considering this game takes like what, like 20, like half an hour, I would be wanting to draw it out a little bit. I mean, like, I spent all this, well, Harry didn't, but if I was in the stands being like, I've been in this fucking campground for two fucking weeks for this half an hour game, I'm going to watch this shit at half speed on my binoculars for the next four hours. Yeah. Totally with you. I feel like the length of the game is so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even something like, say, for instance, the Kentucky Derby, which is a two-minute long race, they have races all day. Yeah. So you have a reason to make an event of it because you can just watch horses and drink all day. Sounds great. Yeah. This is (laughs) half an hour later. No one even came by to sell whatever snacks you eat at a in a football stadium. I don't know. I have to assume that the top box is catered. You don't even get enough time to eat though, because the true. game's already. I know. The game's already over. <laughs> um, that Hermione doing that was actually my last thing too. Although mine was more just like that she is not distracted enough by how excited she is about Quidditch that she can't like take a minute to chastise. <laughs> You're doing it wrong, Harry. (laughs) I love her. All right. Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. What's first? I feel like mine are pretty light. I guess I just want to start off with our confirmation about... Lucius Malfoy being the kind of terrible rich dude who just gains political clout by donating a ton of money to, say, the hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, cool. Cool, 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 cool. I have so much money about how inherited wealth works in the wizarding world because they, like, don't have stocks, I don't think. And they don't have, like, uh... Ooh, what is it called where your money makes money while it's in the bank interest interest 
So if you're just spending your inherited wealth, you don't have any money that's sitting there making money by itself, which I'm pretty sure is how inherited wealth works. Like you can donate a wing to a hospital and still have enough money to give the same amount you started with to your kids or more. Right. And then like giving money to a hospital so tax breaks, you get a lot of money back too. I guess, I guess I'm not in the UK, but in the US is how that, that's why a lot of fucking rich people have foundations and shit. Not because they actually care about people, but because it's a tax break. Or because it's like a money, like essentially money laundering, right? You That money doesn't yeah. quote unquote belong to you because it's tied up in the foundation. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like how Jeff Bezos only makes like $170,000 a year on paper. We should have not let him come down back down to earth is what I is how I feel. It's true. You're should totally let the asshole stay in the upper atmosphere of the planet. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I think you're right. It isn't it doesn't make any sense how he is maintaining his wealth at all. Unless, like many a rich person, he is also hyper hypocritical and maybe has a bunch of like muggle ways of earning money. <laughs> That is bringing in money into his life, even though he is literally part of an organization trying to exterminate muggles. Like he has a ton of money invested in the muggle stock market that he then just changes to wizard gold, witch gold. Yeah, which I know with the exchange rate, probably still a lot less, but there does, yeah, there does not really seem to be a system of, right, without interest in your bank. It's like, what's even the, like, are you just selling off like shit out of your house? Like, how is this even working? Yeah. It's a mystery. All right. I wanted to talk about the part where Winky says that if Dobby isn't careful, he'll get called in front of the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures like some common goblin. Yikes. It's like so many levels. Like, A, house elves and goblins are not creatures, they're people. B, what right does the Ministry of Magic have to control other magical people? C, what is it like? Why are goblins being called in front of the department all the fucking time? D. Why is Dobby gonna get in trouble for asking to be fucking paid for his work? These are all excellent questions. Uh, also, uh, I mean, Winky has a lot of. Uh, how do I describe this? Winky has internalized a lot of the narrative about. You know, house elves are totally just happy about being a slave and anyone else is doing it wrong. And like the language that Winky uses is very racially coded in a way that is deeply uncomfortable. Right. Uh... <laughs> I love this in editorial because I'm just like, LOL, what the fuck? I mean, I think racism is is political political rants right yeah yeah and i think the way that how racially coded winky this whole discussion with winky and how kind of the house elves behave is deeply unfortunate you could have just not done it like this uh do you want to like yeah do it talk about the things that i I noticed uh okay so number one deeply uncomfortable racially coded racially coded thing is that harry was really like oh all house elves look alike and it's like oh that's not dobby after all and it's like okay Uh yes dobby would have probably said something to you if that was dobby so way to way to go harry 
And apparently all of the house elves do, in fact, know each other. (laughs) When Harry's like, well, do you know Dobby? And it's like, actually, yes. And it's like, what? Oh, yeah. Um, And then, I mean, Winky's whole argument boils down to that uh, Dobby is just too uppity about his freedom. (laughs) And it's just, and I think for me, that is the part where it's like, and along with like the way that Winky talks is just very like it's like you watched half a movie about American slavery and you're like yes this is the kind of trope that I want to use for my house elf and I'm like die in a fire (laughs) yeah but to get but to get back to your original point what I think and maybe this is just me alluding to the fact that Winky says that Dobby's been up to some hijinks is that either Dobby's been partying real hard, which honestly good for him, mm-hmm. or he's been going around being like, y'all, we need to unionize. <laughs> which is definitely a thing that would put him in front of the government. He was like, okay, but y'all, we should really get, be, be getting paid. Yep. yep that yep, would yep, definitely yep. be a cause for the government to be like, do we need to murder you, magical creature? Because what the fuck? <laughs> yep, you're so correct. <laughs> and he's doing both. You can do both. That's true. <laughs> As I've known many a political organizer, you gotta you gotta get to folks where they're at. Yeah, and also you have to like take care of yourself in order to keep doing the work. So gotta make time yeah. for fun. Yeah, exactly. That makes so much more sense about like why Winky has been talking to Dobby too, because I guess I always had it in my head just based on like whenever we see Dobby again in the future where he's like, I can't find a job that he was just sort of like looking for jobs. And, you know, so other house elves were seeing like Winky saw him when he maybe came to their house and was like, do you need another house elf? But your reading makes way more sense and also is much more interesting. So that's what I want to go with for sure. I mean, I do, I think in general, like to think that the house elves aren't so isolated that they're only in their own homes. You know, because mm-hmm. they can basically apparate wherever to wherever. Yeah. As far as we can tell, along with other sort of magics that maybe not even the witches are aware of slash can really police. Right. And even just logistically, you got to where are other elves coming from if these elves aren't getting together to fuck. So <laughs> that's yep. Sorry, that's one of my biggest questions about the series is like. We never see baby house elves. Like, what is going on with their whole their whole deal? Yikes. None of the immediately available answers are anything that... Oh, no, they're all bad. They're, all of, most they're of the, so bad. <laughs> most, they're so bad. Most, most of the answers are bad. Ooh, yikes. No, thank you. <laughs> anyway. Yep. What what good times with our first not Dobby house elf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I want to just add sort of this onto the same sort of like why are they why would they why are they being called magical creatures? Because also the Vila and the Leprechauns are referred to as creatures from these teams' home countries, and like these are people. What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, I mean, I ha- like, I hope they're being paid, but like, it's so fucking weird to talk about them like they're these like, you know, deer that they rounded up to come like do a performance at 
the fucking Quidditch World Cup. It's like these are people. Right. They're these are these are people they're people in the in the stands who are probably some percentage of Vila. Right. Like in their family. What? Right. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, what's next? I only have one more thing. Which is once again, why is the ministry seemingly only is just full of hat dudes? We have the one medic which run out to kick the referee who is I'll get to this later, plugging his ears and I'm just like send someone who's not attracted to the fucking Vilas. <laughs> really? You don't have anyone working here? You guys knew ahead of time they were bringing fucking Vilas. You couldn't have prepared at all? There are only heterosexual dudes who work here? Are you fucking kidding me? This is such a good point, Jesse. <laughs> I'm deeply upset by this. And like the implications of this is deeply upsetting to it's me. It's so ridiculous. Oh my God. Another thing you could have easily written to be like, I don't know. A heterosexual woman runs out to like kick this dude. Right. And like runs back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That would have been great, honestly. I don't know if JK Rowling knows that women exist. It's a mystery. No. <laughs> I don't think she thinks I don't think she thinks much about women at all, which I mean, considering her fuckery makes a lot of sense. That's true. Yeah. Um, Which actually ties in really well to like the conversation I want to have about like Vila generally. Um, But really quick, I just want to point out a couple of shitty things about Fudge slash the way that the Bulgarian minister is written. Um, Oh, yeah. Right. When he finally, like, realizes who, I mean, he clearly is trolling Fudge, so he already realized who Harry is. But when he pretends, noticing who Harry is, uh, he is described as gabbling about it. Yeah. What? That's just really fucked up. This, ugh. Um, And, like, sort of on the same page, I just, we already talked about my issues with, like, or, like, the issue of Fudge not having an interpreter, but just the fact that he didn't even bother to learn this man's name, that is literally, like, two feet below the bar is learning how to pronounce a fucking foreign prime minister's name before the meeting, and he didn't even do that. Yeah, like, that is some shit that you... You give you ask your secretary to do, and they give you a folder that has how here's a phonetic pronunciation. Did you just leave that on your desk because you suck? Like what? Also, Bulgarian an actual language <laughs> that people that millions of people speak. Yeah, and I just realized the fucked upness of him being like, "This is Mister." Uh, it doesn't matter because he can't understand me, and I'm like, Betty can't understand you saying his name pretty sure that no matter how intense the language barrier if you're introducing someone to someone else and you clearly are trying and failing to pronounce their name they're at least noticing that much cornelius fudge maybe this is how it started is fudge went to go introduce himself to the minister mispronounced his name and this guy was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna pretend i don't even speak your language (laughs) and just see how far this goes 
Oh my god. I hope Fudge like <laughs> spilled a ton of state secrets and <laughs> Considering everyone is bad at keeping even this a secret, I'm sure he did. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> alright. Alright, alright. So Vila. They, you know, are the pinnacle of beauty and they are blonde white women. They sure are very Scandinavian. <laughs> yes. Very Scandinavian. <laughs> sorry, sorry to my to our Scandinavian listeners. I know that you guys are not all blonde hair, blue eyed, <laughs> six three people who are very cold. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get, you know, a nice healthy dose of JK Rowling's like, you know, too much femininity is dangerous. In the fact that, like, the Vila are too beautiful and they can, like, control men with their beauty and then they will turn into monsters and eat them <laughs> after making them, like, you know, jump to their deaths from a high height just to impress them. Like, femininity is so dangerous. Right, and then she gives us like fucking ridiculous ass line to authors like "lol, it's not looks looks aren't ever, whatever the fuck terrible line." Never it go is. in it's, for looks alone or whatever. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because since so many witches don't want to fuck muggles, a lot of folks are in fact having children with other magical beings. So it is a very ridiculous statement to make because, again, people have. Velas and giants and other magical beings in their fucking families. What the fuck? Yeah. Dude, this is why a year from now you're about to have one in your family because you're this dumbass shit. <laughs> it's like uh-huh. when you stay homophobic things and then three of your children are gay. And it's like, that's what you get. No, I'm sorry. That's not what you get. But that's the kind of energy you put out in the world. Divine intervention. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Um, and then, okay, so we got a really cool email, actually, recently about Vila, so I wanted to bring that into this conversation. Cool. Damn, I forgot to write down who it's from. I'm so sorry, letter writer, that I forgot to write down who you were. Um, it says, Dear Lark and Jesse, on my job, I get confronted with a few opera plots, among others, Carmen and another romantic opera with a character who is called the G-slur and the old description that came with the CD. So it says, I don't know if others have this theory too, but I think that Vila are a fantasy stand-in for racist stereotypes about Roma and Sinti people. Interesting. Yeah, so it says, Vila live everywhere in Europe, but they are associated with Bulgaria They're so beautiful that they can seduce any heterosexual man with their allure, which is a comparison to Carmen. But they have a dangerous side, like in romantic fiction and operas, where the so-called G-slur woman curses someone. In romantic fiction especially, beautiful and seductive women have a grandmother who was a so-called G-slur. In folklore, Roma and Sinti are described as free as birds, while the, the reality was that For centuries, they were chased away again and again from many places in Europe. They were not allowed to settle down, and they were treated like thieves for moving around. Um, And I think that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, from what I know about Europe's sort of collective treatment of Romani people, that is terrible and remains terrible to this day, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was not familiar with, I mean, honestly, like my 
full familiarity with Carmen is from like that one Hey Arnold episode. So <laughs> um, not super in depth, but I looked it up and like, it's basically about, you know, a beautiful Giesler woman who like seduces a man away from his like betrothed and his job. And I mean, presumably like ruins his life. And I think that the letter writer is right that that's like a common trope across across a lot of fantasy is like having Roma ancestry means that you have this like magical, mystical, seductress power. So yeah, sounds right. Sounds right to me. Just yeah. whitewashed version. Yeah, and I feel like and I feel like here in the US I think that that sort of trope you could also sort of swap out quite a few different ethnicities to because for whatever reason this sort of seductress man eater kind of trope is really only for people besides white ladies because white ladies are pure and even protected mm-hmm. by white dudes and everyone else is just a magical temptress of seduction that needs to be controlled. Right. Which is shitty in a lot of ways, but also beautiful women who like kill men. Like, yes, I would like more <laughs> of that, except not as, except without the racism part. <laughs> right. Right. Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then talk about some real ads from this chapter. I know, this really this really happens, and here we are. Correct. Um, first off, I want to say that The Gaily Prophet is made possible by listeners like you, and that I'm feeling sentimental today, so I just want to say that we're so grateful to each and every one of you who are listening um, by inviting us into your ears and your hearts you are making our dreams come true and just by continuing to listen is an amazing way to support us and if you want to know other ways they'll be in the show notes and if you don't that's totally fine and no matter what we're extremely grateful for you yes (laughs) jesse is nodding enthusiastically i am (laughs) all right so let's talk about some real ads yeah we get some we get some interesting ones here i mean i want to start by just saying that i hate hate that there's advertising in this world (laughs) like if you don't have electricity the very least that that could mean is that you don't have to watch fucking ads on a giant screen when you're at a sports game you know i guess on the bright side there is i mean it's just so weird because there just seems to be so little i mean of course my biggest gripe is there's just no seem there seems to be no really media anyway like there's no novels or magazines it seems like so i'm like Mm -hmm. what the fuck are y'all even doing but I mean, and of course, it's always frustrating when there's ads in those kinds of things because it dictates the content of those of the media, which, as we all know, is a terrible, terrible thing. You get some real shitty things when it's everything's dictated by how much by the ad dollars. Yeah. So, yeah, it is really it is pretty unfortunate. So our first ad that we do see is for the blue bottle, a broom for all the family. Which is like, does it have a kid trailer? I am actually deeply curious about what a family broom is like also because we only ever see Harry basically have professional, fast, like Quidditch standard racing brooms. Right. And yeah, we just have no idea what if you just, you have like a, you have like a small family and you use brooms because nationalism or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and you're like, right, what is a what is a family? Is it just a is it just a really long broom? <laughs> is it a, like a tandem bike, but like it's a broom long enough to fit like six people with like seat belts, hopefully, because just taking a small child that far up in the sky seems really scary unless you have a way to like really securely attach them to that vehicle i mean considering the lack of safety in anything i'm assuming that there is not because i guess if you fall off of your broom the assumption is you're just gonna bounce or something right or you just wave your wand and i don't know this is it's just it's just like akio your child (laughs) out of the sky (laughs) maybe there's just like a harness and a strap so your child falls they're just like dangling under oh my god (laughs) (laughs) no i don't know and it has an anti-burglar buzzer which for some reason just really bothers me that really bothers me i hate it i guess i'm just like a very sort of like the confusion about how people make money is also the kind of like besides the kind of big crimes that we're seeing like murdering people and having a death cult like it seems to me everyone lives pretty far apart so i'm gonna roll up into your house like walk you know come to like 20 miles to steal your broom (laughs) are you concerned about people in diagon alley like stealing your family broom from the broom rack or something like so many unanswered logistical questions you know you really can't chain up a broom <laughs> you cannot <laughs> you can't put a bike lock on the broom unless the family broom has like a little like a like you know like the hole that you know how some brooms have like yeah. a hole drilled in with a strap you have like a like a brass or something whatever those fixtures are called for you to like put a lock mm-hmm. <laughs> like a chain not that i mean i guess we see very few things chained but I mean, could you just allure more and open? Like, just all of the questions. <laughs> yeah. No one has a combination lock, which I think would be their most secure thing. <laughs> because no one knows how to do math. <laughs> yeah. Um, next ad. Mrs. Scours, all-purpose, magical mess remover. No pain, no stain. Which to me sounds like it's for disposing of bodies. <laughs> Are your rubs just soaked in blood? (laughs) Do you need to? (laughs) So, yes, I think you're correct. Uh, Mostly because blood is very hard to get out of fabric, y'all. It's true. It really is. Also, I feel like turmeric is also very hard to get. Or like tomatoes. I mean, turmeric is in dye, so it is very hard. Um, do you think it's for only magical messes or also for regular messes? I don't know. I guess the magical messes seem like they'd be harder to clean up than someone spilled the milk. You could just magic the milk back into the glass or something. Or just vanish it. Yeah. All right. Then our last two are just Gladrags, Wizard Wear. London, Paris, Hogsmeade. Very simple, very to the point, probably very expensive. Yeah, I mean, doing, I mean, yeah, doing that, which is also just very funny because it just makes it sound like Hogsmeade is somehow a, like, center of fashion when it does not feel <laughs> that way. It's like their outlet is in Hogsmeade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it's like Hogsmeade's the only totally magical 
place, but it still seems like Diagon Alley is a much higher, higher traffic, higher value location. Maybe that's where the London one is. Yeah, I would assume so. And I mean, Paris probably has a has to have a fucking awesome magical area. Yeah. Yeah. I bet these robes are like the super high end suits of of wizard wear, you know? Yeah, that's where the Malfoys go. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we just get a gross ad for gross, gross birdie bots every flavor beans. A risk in every mouthful. Why? Why? Literally no one is doing that unless it's up on a bet or something or a dare. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, adults aren't eating that. That is a wholly a thing that, like, children are doing. Yeah. It's like third through sixth grade, I feel like, is prime years for something like Birdie Bots Every, every Flavor Beans. I do have to say, I do think maybe whatever the drinking age here is to, like, mid-20s when you're like, all right, you've had two pints or whatever. You've had a lot of drinks. <laughs> drinking game every every every, birdies ever flavored beans you're gonna see how many you can go through until you puke go (laughs) i could definitely see that being a drinking game that like that like 20 year olds (laughs) so terrible i mean i've only ever seen the cinnamon challenge done when i was in college which i won't lie was pretty funny to watch someone try to do I don't know. I think it was like an entire tablespoon of cinnamon and then promptly vomit all over itself. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that's how that goes, yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't don't do that to yourself, everyone. Yeah, don't. It like expands. <laughs> it's apparently very that was just like really dry and irritating to your throat. I don't know. Anyway, however that works. I had a friend who did it and it was described as like expanding in your mouth and like just sort of like filling everything and then you just like choke on it and you just like cough until you throw up. Gross. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. Let's talk about the fact that this whole chapter doesn't make any fucking sense. Okay. All right. There are 20 seats in the top box and Ludo Bagman has given seven of them to Arthur Weasley. That's half. That's basically half. Which what a solid author must have done. Like... The, the tight spot must have been the tightest, like it must life have been, in Azkaban tight. It must have been, right, it must have been, uh, this person is unconscious, help me find a muggle hospital to drop them off in front of while we run away. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, so it's that, and it's the fact that Winky is allegedly saving a seat for Barty Crouch by sitting in another seat, so she's saving two seats as if he reserved a seat for himself and one for his elf. Which doesn't make any sense. She should be sitting on the seat and Barty Crouch Jr. should be standing because he's fucking invisible and like she only gets one seat. But really, they just should not be in the top box. They should be in the stands and they could still be next to Winky. Yeah, that could that could all be fine. Mm -hmm. Just two seconds of thinking about it. And it's like not just like 
you know, this is too too much of a favor return. But also, like, Ludo Bagman's not the only person choosing who goes in the fucking top box. This is where the prime ministers of the countries are. Like, Ludo's not in charge. He doesn't get to be like, I gave seven of these tickets to this random family. Also, right, where's the Irish prime minister and their people? They don't have their own prime minister, I don't think. They're part of the United Kingdom. Which seems somehow incorrect. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like Slash we talked very about incorrect. last time, like why yep. is it falling along muggle? There is no boundaries? way. No. Especially not under someone as incompetent as fucking fudge. Shitting me. Right. Anyway. Yep. Alright, and then now I'm gonna talk about another letter that we got. Full of math. Yes. Wonderful math. It's from Andy. I'm so grateful. I'm gonna talk about part of it here and part of it in the sports section. Okay. Thank you, Andy. So they wrote to us basically because we were, I think in the last episode, Jesse, you were like, why would Luxembourg have its own Quidditch team? Yeah. And so they wrote and were like, yeah, they wouldn't. Like, here's a breakdown. Assuming that Harry's Hogwarts class is indicative of like the global witch population. I did math for you. Um, Oh, wow. Right? Yes. So... According to their math, there would be 4,000 witches in the whole of the UK. Okay. Arthur says that a ministry task force of 500 people worked to get the Quidditch World Cup set up. If 680 of the 4,000 are children, that makes 500 15% of the adult witch population of the United Kingdom that has just spent an entire year only working on setting up the Quidditch World Cup. Can you verbalize? <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just nodding. I'm just nodding and also shaking my head because that is wild. 15%. And the indication that the ministry has more than 500 employees and that you can just pull 500 people off of their tasks to do this when there's like, I mean, some of these people are you know, very old or raising their kids or whatever. Or it's their like first year of the job and they're like, you're going to go out there and you're going to just walk uh, like two miles back and forth across this field laying down anti-muggle charms. Right? It's just like, what? Yeah, and then the other ridiculous piece of this whole thing is that by this math, the entire world witching population is... 393,586, which means that a quarter of all witches are currently at the Quidditch World Cup. That's wild. Huh. I mean, I got, you mean, if, I mean, yeah, if the population is as, is as small as the books indicate, that does make sense. That a quarter of people would go to the World Cup? If you only have one sporting event. I guess. <laughs> I guess. And this is like, right, the Olympics of it. All right, I guess. Or I suppose like the actual World Cup, which millions upon millions of people do watch, except for Americans because we suck. For a lot of people, it's like a much, much bigger deal getting there than, you know, because you can't like apparate from anywhere in like the Americas to the UK or probably anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere or 
like Asia. Yeah, I mean, apparition has a pretty like limited span. Mm-hmm. So that just means that like a lot of people put in a lot of time and effort and energy into like taking a plane or a boat and maybe other countries are much better about like using muggle things than the uk is but i would assume so yeah would have to yeah but also okay there's no television to watch it so if you wanted to watch it and not read about it in the paper or listen to it on the radio you would have to go there that's true so it, it so i think that actually makes sense why there'd be so much of say the total world witch population there because how the fuck else are you gonna see it that's true that's a good point welcome to the sports section where we reluctantly talk about quidditch i haven't had a sports section in forever it's been a long time do you have stuff here um i think the only thing i have is that this Quidditch game. I mean, not that Quidditch ever really sounds particularly interesting, but I'm just like, this seems kind of like a bit of a whack game. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, say more. I'm just like, it lasts like half an hour, and I'm like, I don't know. It just seems kind of boring, I guess. I don't know. I guess I was like, also like, if I was like reading a passage about, I don't know, a hockey game, it probably would sound equally as boring. But hockey is kind of, is a lot more interesting to watch irl than like reading a description of it Mm -hmm. like maybe they should like not release the seeker into the stadium until they hit a certain like point threshold or something and like unlike a lot of sports again they like don't have breaks like a lot of games are spit into like quarters or halves or what have you and they're just going continuously which seems like a mistake yeah it sure does (laughs) so Uh. Yeah. Can't ever get some water. How are you going to eat some popcorn or whatever? Some chips? Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. Um, Harry also says that Crumb is the most exciting player on the field, which is just like objectively false because he's doing essentially nothing for most of the game except for two times. Yeah, it sounds like the... Wow, I don't remember the name of anyone in these games. The people who are scoring. Troy, Mullet, Moran. Whatever their positions are called. That sounds like the most interesting. Chasers, chasers, thank you. It's not that chasers are doing the most interesting thing because they're doing things that are like, we are so in sync. Right. So, which would probably, if you were watching it, look really impressive. Right. I mean, and that's what Harry describes. He's, like, really, like, yeah, they're, like, so good and, like, the beaters and whatever. And then he's, like, Crumb's the most interesting one. And I'm, like, this is the second time you've noticed him in this whole game. Well, I mean, Harry, I mean, Harry does have an obvious bias as a seeker himself. Where he's, like, well, clearly that's the most important role. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, all right, Harry. Yeah. Keep telling true. yourself that. <laughs> uh. Okay. My other sports thing is going back to Andy's letter. So they went into a lot of detail about like comparing population size to IRL soccer teams. And basically like Luxembourg uh, doesn't have enough people to have like a nationally competitive soccer team because like there's just not that it's there's not that many super good sports players in 
the population. And so like the smaller your population, the less likely it is that you will have super good players. Okay, that makes sense. So population size wise, it's actually extremely unlikely that the UK, if they were all one going to like one Quidditch team, that they would have a super good Quidditch team because there's just not enough people. But Ireland would have 248 total witches, including children. So Andy said, along with the Quidditch squad, so 15 to 25 players, assuming they have backup, which we never see, but they would need a manager, assistant manager, coaching team, uh, catering staff, groundskeepers for their training ground, advertisers, analysts, scouts, designers for the kit, logo, etc., and others to keep the team running. This suggests that the Irish Quidditch team is probably the biggest employer in the country. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Which does actually answer the question that is another part of the faulty world building here is what the fuck do people do besides work in the ministry? Though we've, I guess we've already established if there's like a thousand people, for example, working at the ministry, it would make them the largest employee, employer of witches in the UK. Right. But... Second to that must be the professional Quidditch teams because there's more than one. I mean, uh, we have we see Wood briefly, who's with Puddle Puddle Mare oh, Puddle sure. Mare United. Thank you. And if we want to believe any of the extra canon stuff, there is at least a one all ladies Quidditch team because obviously <laughs> that's not extra canon. The Hollyhead Harpies are canon. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well. I guess Ginny joining them is extra canon. But yeah. the fact that they... So, like, right. So there's at least... So there's multiple... And there's the Chudley Cannons, which is Ron's team. Mm-hmm. So there's... So there's still somehow multiple Quidditch teams. Right. Even within the small population, which I guess then makes sense why Hogwarts Quidditch is such a big deal. That's true. <laughs> That's, like, a le- like, unlike... I don't know. I feel like a lot of... Young people have a lot of dreams writing on like sports sp- sports scholarships in college and going on to professional sports, but obviously it's not a huge employer of young people. But in the witching world, it seems like being on a Quidditch team or working for somehow in Quidditch is actually one of the major employers That's that true. you do if you're not idly rich. Right. <laughs> or right, right. somehow own a shop or want to go into the ministry. Yeah. I feel like these... these these industries are worse than fucking for gen, like whatever Gen Z has to deal with. Like, there's only you only have five types of jobs. Yep. <laughs> or you can be a stay at home parent and go. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. Um. And so, just for context, uh, Bulgaria would have five hundred and seventy eight witches. So similarly too small to have like a super good quidditch team yeah and i just want to take this like brief moment to just talk about world building and how important it is to think about things like this like i would bet one million dollars that jk rowling never sat down and was like if this is harry's class size how many witches does that mean there are in the world? How many in the UK? What does that mean for like Quidditch teams? What does that mean for the Quidditch World Cup? Never. I would I would literally bet every dime that I have to my name that she has literally never thought about that. And that's, I think that's terrible. Like, I think that's really awful. 
especially at this late in the game you're in book four like you've already exploded at this point this is kind of at least in my memory like really when like harry potter exploded so it's like you know you're getting the full series like you really need to get your life right yeah. <laughs> your world building it just seems like if you're gonna write a fucking fantasy series you should like Fucking Tolkien wrote two entire languages. That's what I have to say. He wrote two languages so that he could write those books. You can't even do the fucking math to figure out how many witches there are in Ireland. That's a problem, ma'am. Do better. Yeah, like I have math dyslexia and I still would have at least tried to fake the math to be like, all right, I can look at some numbers. I could be like, someone, what is 5% of these people, of this population? Okay, cool. That's how many witches there are. Yeah, or you could go to Calculator Soup like I do every month when I have to figure out how much of our income is mine and how much is yours. <laughs> I I actually do also have a... Uh, I think I have a bookmarked percentage calculator because I cannot for the life of me. If it's not 50%, I cannot do it, uh, yeah. percentage. I'm like, I was like, to figure out the 15% thing, I was like 300 and whatever amount <laughs> is to this as one is 2.85 like just i'm like i don't fucking know how to do that i mean i i do but like that's something that i only know how to do when i'm actively doing it on a regular basis and the rest of the time i'm like nope i got nothing yeah so kind of about sports mostly about jk rowling being bad at her job yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Welcome to Corrections, where we correct stuff. So, after Harry first experiences the allure of the Velas, immediately after, every, it's like, all right, the Velas are, are going to be doing their thing. Stick your finger in your ear. And I'm like, what? Shouldn't you be closing your eyes? Are they... There's no description of them singing. emitting. They're not singing. There's no music. <laughs> so there's no like, oh, they're alluring sirens call of the Velas. Why are you putting your fingers in your ear? You should be covering your eyes. What? Yep. <laughs> this is a huge, huge oversight. <laughs> know, it's so frustrating. Oh, my God. Yes, I am with you 1000%. And I don't know why I just noticed it on this reread, because I, I guess because I was reading closely, but I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> You're sticking your fingers in your... Are they emitting a high-pitched, like, noise? <laughs> like, what? Is it like a dog whistle? <laughs> yep. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. And we're going to keep talking about Vila. I have so many things about Vila. Great. Start us off. <laughs> All right. So, Vila's. Oh, my God. What what to say about Vila's? Let's talk about the, um, I call them evolutionary gifts of the Vila, but Vila's have so many things going on for them. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we have their sort of seductive power, if you are attracted to femme white ladies, <laughs> it seems like, and... It's like, it makes you want to do a ridiculous thing slash be bedazzled by them. I'm assuming so they can eat you, I guess. <laughs> or whatever. Because clearly, Vila's have co-evolved with people in order for them to, people to be 
seduced slash affected by them, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, so yeah, and then on top of that, if it all fails, they can transform into a uh, fire throwing incredibly hot. That's <laughs> true. Uh, I just had a thought when you were like, if you're attracted to blonde white ladies, what if they look like what you are like? What if they look like what you're attracted to, or like what you expect them hmm. to look like? I feel like that would definitely make sense. Or like somehow that part is the glamour and the kind of harpy vibe is their like quote unquote true face. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't really see blonde white ladies being Harry's type, but I can see Harry as someone who is like raised in, you know, British muggle society sort of being presented with, like, the information, Vila are beautiful women, and his brain, like, instantly filling in blonde white lady. Mm-hmm. I would buy that, I think. Yeah. It'd be really interesting if everyone is seeing something different when they look at Floor. <laughs> See, I mean, I don't know if Floor has enough Vila traits for that to happen as as much as sort of whatever the sort of, like, that kind of like extra magic-y pheromone-like attractiveness mm-hmm. that's just sort of like something about her. Right. <laughs> I mean, she smells really nice. I don't know. Like just something you're like, I can't put my finger on it, but I just want to keep looking at you. Right, right. So, but I mean, but it would also make sense for Vila to, yeah, have that sort of like mimicry, which is, of course, as we know, a common evolutionary trait in a lot of different living living beings so i do love the question also of like what is their purpose in in doing this to humans that are attracted to them i love eating them as an option (laughs) i guess that's kind of what my first the first thing that came to mind um i mean it could also be a like many other evolutionary things like attracting a mate it could be, oh, I mean, you know. It's kind of the two options for evolution, right? Like it helps you eat better or it helps you reproduce better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, it also could be if Vila's have, say, evolved with witches, and it could also be this sort of incarnation now is that, well, you're not going to kill a bunch of Vila's if they're all hot. <laughs> 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 Which is... Obviously sort of very much condensing it, but it's, I think, kind of based on the idea of kind of like the reason that domesticated cats and dogs have succeeded as a species so well is because since they have, you know, the domestication process changes the way that, say, like dogs look and behave, but it changes their looks in a way that people find very attractive. It's like all of a sudden you have a animals have like big eyes and you know they're fluffy and they're cute and they're like floppy ears and like that kind of thing yeah and dogs evolved eyebrows to manipulate us right we that's not the thing we bred into them that's the thing that like evolution chose because it's like dogs with eyebrows are able to like mimic human expression more and so we identify with them more Right. And and now we were at a point where there are more domesticated dogs and cats than any other species of felines or canines anywhere anywhere on the planet. Right. So like it is a very good evolutionary trait if you're 
sort of evolving alongside with humans. I mean, obviously domestication is like a whole different can of words. I'm not suggesting that velas are domesticated, but if the velas that were better at seducing slash being attractive are the ones that like had kids. What if we compared it more to, so there are these crabs that have a pattern on their back that kind of looks like uh like a depiction of like a sumo warrior from like ancient japanese like pottery and art and whatever and when fishermen would go out and like catch crabs the ones that looked like they had that face on them they were like oh we like we can't eat those and so they would throw them back and so inadvertently over time those crabs more and more look like that because like they chose not to eat those ones and so it's like they evolved with humans, but not through a domestication process, just like, but sort of essentially exactly what you're talking about. Their appearance changed to protect them from humans by like suiting human needs. So mm-hmm. it could be like that if humans were like yeah. hunting Vila or like scared of Vila, but the Vila that were born with this mutation that made them like, you know, super hot to human, yeah. to humans who were f- attracted to women. Right. And so, and I think that obviously we have Flora as an example of witches who are having children with Velas, which... I want to talk about Vila reproduction if we can while we're on this subject, though. Yeah. So there are only Lady Vila. That we see, which is, yeah. That we see. But so they're apparently only supposed to be female Vila. Which we're not going to, like, run with that long term because we're going to read Flora's Trans. But, like, if we're running with that just for, like, this moment, someone on the internet suggested that they reproduce, like, those lizards that they're only female lizards, but then they, like, mate with each other. It has a name and now I've forgotten it because I didn't write it down. Uh, But if that's the case, like, or someone else was like, like, bees. Basically, my question is, like, if they don't have... If they don't need a male to reproduce, how do they reproduce with humans? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they just, like, wouldn't have the necessary, like, biology to be able to mate with another creature if their mating habits had nothing to do with, like, P and V reproduction, basically. Yeah. Huh. That is interesting. It's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean common ancestry maybe kind of how wolves and dogs and wolves and coyotes can reproduce it just it doesn't happen super often yeah but like wolves mate with each other in the same way that dogs mate with each other if vila aren't mating with each other the same way you know if they don't have the same way of like joining sperm and egg as humans do there wouldn't be like the compatible biology to be able to have sex that's true huh or maybe this is the answer to the question of why they evolved this way and they always mate with human men and their children are vila if they're girls and humans if they're boys and trans girls are obviously also vila and trans boys are not yeah i'm rereading the golden compass series right now and i'm just thinking about like witches right all of their daughters are witches but their sons are not and they get left with their dads yeah i actually was thinking sort of the same thing as we were like talking about this 
And then I guess also like thinking about bees. I mean, queen queen bees manipulate who's going to be like which bees are going to be drones and which bees are going to be queens via chemicals essentially via like drones get honey queen future queen bees get royal jelly so maybe there's some kind of magical slash chemical slash chemical magical stuff that happens in between like conception and being born or post-birth that determines like vila or not vila Mm -hmm. so I will say that the general Harry Potter fandom has really run with Velas as a concept. Mostly, I feel like there's a lot of dreary about Draco being part Vila. Yep. So much, <laughs> which is how I know how many monster fucker people are out there. It's all right. I see you. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like as soon as this book came out, I mean, that's about the time I got into, like, reading fan fiction. It's, like, so many people were like, oh, clearly, whatever, something, something, hand-wavy, Velas are blonde, Draco is blonde. There is a clear line of connection between Harry's already obsessed with Draco, (laughs) or it's, like, a thing where it's, like, you you get a little older, and then it's, like, oh, you're a Vila. Slash, which is, of course, really just an excuse for a, like, fuck or die trope, which I also understand who doesn't love a fuck or die trope. Um, But I think that these sort of larger questions about Vila reproduction and how there are somehow we only ever see cis lady Vila's uh, is sort of like, well, that's clearly incorrect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, just like the confusing, like, heteroness of what we get in books about Vila's is very upsetting mm-hmm. <laughs> and also deeply boring <laughs> yeah it really is yeah should we should we get into that we whole get thing into that. cool that you lead that conversation it just doesn't make any sense that we only see boys affected by these villas number one mm-hmm. deeply in character about how human sexuality works so even though i decided that in this reading that i think that Charlie, who is not attracted to these velas, is just doing it so he does not feel left out from the rest of the, <laughs> his, rest of his, the rest of his family. And I'm like, oh, Charlie. That makes a lot of sense because he knew like what he should do with them. How do we explain mm-hmm. Hermione's lack of reaction? It is deeply annoying. Maybe velas affect queer people different. <laughs> or she's not even 14 yet. Maybe she just hasn't hit the like super into it level yet i don't know that's not what we see later in the book or it's just like i can appreciate aesthetically how hot these velas are i do not feel a need to have to somehow do a ridiculous thing to impress them i am impressive enough (laughs) yeah um we have been asked several times though to like be very clear about how we think velo would affect queer women we think that they would be affected by Vila. Yes? Oh, yeah. Cool. And gay totally. men, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this definitely is weighing on your, how you feel about looking at attractive, attractive ladies. Will you write me a fanfic where Narcissa Malfoy tries to jump out of the top box 
And then, like, we cut to, like, her and Lucius at home later, like, having a fight in their bedroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, because I really want that. I mean, yeah, uh, definitely off topic, but uh, Narcissa and Bellatrix totally had marriages of convenience because of how rich they are. Mm. And only Andromeda was like, uh, yeah, fuck this. I'm married for love. Deuces. True. So... Uh, or not like married for convenience, but like, you know, very like Downton Abbey S. Oh, good families were right. coming together, blah de blah. Yeah. It's a good match, not necessarily a love match kind of regency bullshit. Yeah. I mean I was thinking that Narcissa is bi, but I just I mean I mean I hate it for the people who would experience it, but I do love the idea of people being outed by these villa. <laughs> like the the fact that being around Vila seems like it would be a real like eye-opening moment for yourself or those around you oh my god think of how many teen queer awakenings this quidditch world cup (laughs) right (laughs) or the like oh i'm actually not attracted to these Vilas. oh no (laughs) yep which is its own kind of queer awakening this is true this is true so yeah, for Charlie, it was like a cool, confirmed, what I've always known about myself. Totally true. It's been mm-hmm. challenged. And Bill was like, I'm going to give me some of that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Yeah, what else do you have about Vila? I feel like I had a lot more, but I guess that's really all I had about them. Besides my deep love of them. And I don't know. I feel like now that all of the like terrible Vila inheritance fic that I read as a teenager, I'm like, I know I've absorbed some of that, but I guess it's just been too long ago. It's always, always Draco. I feel like <laughs> no one else is a Vila but Draco. And maybe Victor Crumb. <laughs> and maybe Victor Crumb. Who just got the awkward like bird part of, his, <laughs> of the Vila genetics. <laughs> Maybe it's just because he's so grumpy all the time. And so his just like beautiful charm is never turned all the way on. Yeah. I know. What is it like round shoulders? I'm like, shoulders are round. I don't understand this description. I think it means like he like slouches. He's not standing up straight. He's just he's just more comfortable in the air. I mean, the, I mean, the Vila's have fucking wings, which is fucking rad. And so. Crumb doesn't look like he's sitting on his broom. He looks like he's flying. What if he secretly is? uh the bulgaria just didn't tell anyone that victor was also part of the because they're like we don't want to deal with the like paperwork for this which fair right (laughs) i mean we've seen how the olympics is playing out so Uh, right um i have one non-vila related thing so what's his face lynch Mm mm-hmm smashes into the ground twice and it's apparently called be- getting plowed I, I i highlighted that because i'm just like lolol right <laughs> um and charlie's like he's fine and i looked it up firebolts go 150 miles an hour and they're chasing the snitch like they're going all all on he's not fine like, I don't care how soft the ground is. I don't care if you're in a moor. You're not fine if you hit the ground that fast. I mean, 
the end of the chapter is like he's still noticeably dazed. He has a concussion. He needs to see a medic. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying like I think you're like your face is broken. Oh yeah, probably. That's fast. That's really fast to hit the ground. Yeah. I forgot to look up human terminal velocity for this. I mean, it kind of doesn't matter considering that I think uh, witches are more a little more durable than humans. So there's a lot of hand wavy magic. It'll be uh, fun. Terminal velocity is 120 miles an hour. Uh, you die if you hit the ground at terminal velocity. So even even as a witch, I think he should be quite damaged at the very least. Yeah, I know. Why don't they wear helmets? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. I mean, again, there's literally no safety function of any kind in this world. So why would anyone wear a helmet? True. You don't need your brain. Why is he so bad at stopping, also, is a really good question. Because <laughs> he started it for the second dive. Like, he was the one who saw the snitch. Like, why didn't he pull out of his dive in time? I mean, that first concussion is still fucked up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's like, you're still, like, you should have, you should have taken a, taken a pause, taken a foul, like, something. Get this, get this dude some ice? I don't know. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Gaily Prophet is a creation of Hashtag Ruthless Productions. If you haven't checked out our other podcast, Escape from Reality, where we read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell, you definitely should. And uh, we also have another podcast that's on Patreon called We Are the Gayers, where we talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, so you should uh, tell all your friends. You can also support us in various not financial ways, like leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Gaily Prophet. And then you should definitely share the things that you see so we can grow our social media presence and people will know more about this awesome show. Heck yeah. Um, if you do want to support us financially, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. Uh, you can also go to our website, hashtag ruthless.com, and either make a one-time donation or buy our merch, both of which are very helpful. Yeah, buy some merch that does not go into Scoundrel JKR's pocket. Yes. Very important. <laughs> it is very important. <laughs> if you... Or to find me on the internet, I am on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at Live from Detroit. I can be found on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, where you can get a tarot reading from me or on Instagram at LarkMalachi. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time. Helmets. Padding. Cups. <laughs> Breaks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>